You're listening to the Silken Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soken Podcast. I'm your host, Teague, and with me are Jace and Leo. That's Jace Drayson. Hello. I'm Leo. So this has really been the quarantine season, as we're, we're right up here on the penultimate episode, and some states are actually starting to open back up again. How do, how do we feel about that? I... Um. <laughs> I've had a bunch of conversations about that actually the last couple of days and it's funny talking to it it seems almost um a uh, I, like w whatever somebody's political leanings tend to be tend to be how somebody feels about it and I I don't know I'm I'm on the fence I guess just like politically um those who seem to have a little bit more of a conservative bent are like, open it up, get the economy going. Those who tend to have a little bit more of a liberal bent are like, eh, we need to worry about people's welfare. We need to stay quarantined, yada, yada. So I don't know. Both are, I think, very valid concerns. I'm, I'm, I'm a fence sitter. <laughs> uh, I probably lean to more towards the keep the people safe mentality. We can rebuild an economy. Um, now obvious with obvious exceptions there are some things that we have to do to keep things going those essential services which never really quit and you know things that might threaten our food supply must go on like that's just heroic work that makes society function um but texas where i live where actually where both leo and i live has been opening and opening and opening pretty pretty early on so uh, it's not really news to me i know a lot of places are just now starting to open back up we're already to the place where people are back in hair salons and stuff so i think restaurants are at 50 percent capacity now and gyms opened back up already um i think that slow and steady wins the race and being careful <laughs> or being conservative for lack of a better word about how uh how wide open how pedal to metal you go is i just want it to be data driven if if the data says it's to open up oh, by all means open it up i don't want to stay closed any longer than we oughta yeah my uh it coincidentally i was talking to my parents who are let's say very right-leaning um and they were you know the whole we need to throw the doors wide open kind of kind of perspective and then they were telling me about their most recent visit to both get pedicures i was like really of all the places that like need to be open so that you can live your best life it's to get a pedicure <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know I, it, it, we risk on getting political so <laughs> i you know freedom free to let freedom ring i guess <laughs> <laughs> My toes look funny, and damn it, if I have to get a virus to make my toes look better, then so be it. Well, today we'll be discussing Amazon's Crucible, Star Trek's upcoming series, Strange New Worlds, and almost everyone's favorite nostalgic cartoon, Avatar The Last Airbender. On May 20th, Amazon Games released its new title, Crucible, a PvP action shooter. It's not exactly Amazon's first step into the gaming industry, but it is being widely considered their first real step. So let's talk about how Amazon's going to do trying to break into the gaming market like they have pretty much every other market. When originally announced back in 2016, Crucible was supposed to be another Fortnite-like battle royale, but it looks like the game took a step away from that fad to become something more unique. Do you think that Amazon is better off in establishing themselves by taking a new direction rather than riding on the coattails of a current trend? I think it's hard to say that they're not riding on coattails. Um, granted, um, what they're doing seems to be a, I mean, sort of a unique take, but it really is. It's just kind of a mashup of a whole bunch of other games that are <clears throat> doing what Crucible seems to be intending to do it's sort of battle royale it's sort of um uh well of course it's team v team it's uh 
Oh no, the the game slipped my mind. What's the MOBA? Well, no, not MOBA. The the big popular, the one with the League of Legends. No. <laughs> oh no. Overwatch. Overwatch. Thank you. Oh man, <laughs> we were just gonna keep going through games. <laughs> um, it's taken it, but it has taken a lot of a lot of things from all the from those games, League of Legends, from Overwatch. It's got some MOBA stuff in it. Like it, it really is just kind of, you know, a combination of a bunch of stuff. So. I don't know. I don't know if it's really a new direction as opposed to a new combination of a whole bunch of other directions. I have I have high hopes for Amazon. I know it's like a conglomerate Uber Corp, but I like what Amazon does and I think that it benefits me. So, like Amazon Prime, loving it. I love that I can order stuff online and get it the next day. The programming that I watch on the telly is good on that channel on that station, on that network. So I want Amazon to do well and why not? Let them let them jump into the gaming world and you know competition breeds better stuff. That said, it doesn't look like they're trying to compete as much as just get their foot in the door and Crucible doesn't look like anything special to me. Um it doesn't really look fun. It now caveat to that is i don't like those types of games to begin with so i was already going to have my nose turned up but it it literally doesn't look like anything different than a mashup of a bunch of other stuff and eh, if, if you're trying to set a trend great be innovative do something cool but if you're just trying to put another vanilla flavor on the on the shelf then i'm not terribly excited but i am rooting for them i want them to to have some success with game creation in the future. One note about the game is that while its current attitude is generally lighthearted and fun, the setting is that of a pseudo-apocalypse. Do you think its release during the pandemic will hurt its popularity, or will it be stronger because people are more likely to play it during these times? I don't think, well, well things, number one, our little pandemic apocalypse is nothing like anyone imagined it would be. You know, we, we all thought we'd have razor blades attached to our bumpers and you know sails of our pickup trucks capturing the wind to blow us across the texas desert that doesn't seem to be our brand of apocalypse it's really about toilet paper for some reason and ordering in so <laughs> i don't know that it's going to translate into oh my gosh this apocalypse video game is triggering me there's there's no real relationship there two the game doesn't look like planet earth it doesn't look, the people don't look like earthy people for the most part. I mean, sure, there's a, a couple human, um, I guess they call them heroes, I don't know. But most of the people are like monstery or droidy or blue and long-eared. It doesn't really, I don't think it's really going to have a one-for-one a -one translation to what's going on IRL. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, there's even the, uh, the few like non-player monsters to fight, like they're completely alien so yeah it doesn't really look like earth uh, i also think like this this really is a a perfect time for a game to release especially a game that is hopefully positioned to handle the kind of um, quarantine attention that a lot of games have have seemed to um struggle with um we talked in the last episode or i talked in the last episode about a you know a couple of games that have just been overwhelmed by their recent popularity and yeah they're fun games but it really is because people are home and people have more time and people are trying to find ways to keep themselves engaged and entertained i don't think there is a better time for them to release than right now in fact a month ago might have been might have been better thank you for not mocking my pronunciation this time <laughs> Based on what you guys have seen about the game, do you have any intention of playing it yourselves? I've probably hinted already at this, but no, it's not my style. It looks like another button masher. Mash, 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 jump, 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 jump. Move, 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 move. It's That kind of frenetic pace in a video game gives me nothing but anxiety. I don't find it fun. And really, I think it breeds... It, it, it attracts the wrong kind of gamer. Yeah... For me, the the biggest thing it'll depend on is whether or not I've got friends who are playing it. 
Um, that's made the difference for um, probably every particularly fast-paced competitive game I've ever played is are my homies playing it and are they interested in it right now? Because there's always the risk. Um, and J Jason and I have laughed about this several times. We've got buddies who are playing a game and they will play it hard for like a week. <laughs> and then yeah. if, if we happen to come in at the tail end of that, we're just getting enthusiastic about something while they're, you know, bah. throwing a towel. <laughs> yeah. And so it would depend on a lot of stuff. <laughs> are, are, are we all genuinely starting to get interested in this at around the same time? Are we going to play it together? You know, that, that makes anything more fun, and especially these kinds of games. That whole catch it while it's hot thing is a it's a a soaking trend. It's a soaking characteristic. Shout out to Mullen and Doofer out there who you know get people excited about games. And I remember one time way back in the day we were playing a game and Mullen was trying to talk Roz into playing with us. And Roz, Roz was like, "So is this gonna be another one of those where I buy the game and y'all immediately quit it and move on to something else?" It's just the way it is. It I don't is. know. I don't know why, but we only like it for like weeks and then next speaking of i just want to give a little plug here to a game that i have discovered in the last couple days that has really captured my attention and i have to i have to eat a little bit of crow based on what we talked about a little bit last week um was it last week we talked about those games like rim world and those little light-hearted games or was it week? anyways yes, it was last week I so i found a game called space haven it was early access and it has only just released in a, a a playable thing right now and last week i said i would not play an early access game i don't want to beta test a game for a company well i bought this game relatively cheap right now and i am loving it it's kind of a mix of rim world it's got those kind of garbage graphics from back in the day everything that i said i would hate about a game last week i have completely fallen in love with this game and so you know be careful what you say on on podcasts because then the next week you may have to say oops everything i said take it back it's called character growth yeah and i'm i'm growing and changing god is still working on me checkpoint on your character development arc <laughs> all right uh, Crucible has had an array of development issues leading up to this release four years after its announcement. With that in mind, and knowing that they're planning on releasing an MMO called New World, what do you guys expect from future Amazon games? So it's it's my hope, honestly, when, when I've read all this stuff about Crucible and I was reading a bunch of reviews and um, the reviews, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not sure they're, they're all necessarily fair. Um, they they tend to trend a little bit negative. Um, it's it's my sincere hope that this is, or Amazon is approaching this as, you know, they've dipped their toe into the gaming market. They're going to learn a whole bunch of lessons from this, and they're going to do the next one even better, and then they're going to do the next one even better. Um, Amazon is supposed to re be releasing or working on or in the future, perhaps working on a Lord of the Rings MMO, mm. and I'm I'm glad that's not their first project. I'm glad they have a game like Crucible that I'm really not that interested in to make their first mistakes to to learn those important lessons so that that, that game can be stellar. Uh agree and uh, there, there's no announcement of this this is not me knowing something ahead of time but i have very high hopes that they will take one of their television show properties and create some sort of video game out of it called the expanse which we've talked about on the show before i absolutely love that show started on sci-fi network amazon bought it picked it up owns it and now produces it um they have the rights to the story so it would be really cool to see some sort of game built around that universe and that lore it's some of my favorite i agree I'm, I'm glad they have a game that i'm not one bit interested in to screw up and release and so next time they get something that i might want to play they'll they'll do better you have a love affair with the expanse i do i love it so so much Please note that any and all applications for a Lord of the Rings Soaking Guild will be considered in due time once the game is actually released. <laughs> Good luck. Simply put, 
do you guys think that Amazon has a chance of competing against larger developers, Sony, Microsoft, and the rest? I hope so. Um, ultimately, what a lot of this comes down to is experience and money. Um, and Amazon has tons of the latter, and they're they're developing the former. Um, also, it's not necessarily Amazon as uh, an organization that needs to have all the experience. They're going to be bringing on experienced developers um, that have hopefully had successful projects under other development companies um, and are going to be putting those those skills and that experience to use in uh, toward Amazon's projects. Um, so yeah, I, I hope they can. And I'm hoping that they they do enough churning of the market to help some of these other companies realize that a lot of their um, a lot of their practices, things that we've seen the industry kind of go in and out of like loot boxes, for instance, um, a conversation we had last season, um, hopefully put a lot of that stuff to bed. How do you compete? Well, in in the real world, a lot of startups wouldn't be able to compete without a bunch of cash to throw into the market. I'm not sure anyone on planet Earth has more cash than Amazon right now. Isn't Jeff Bezos on tap to be our first trillionaire on the planet. So I think that, yeah, they can compete as long as they want to compete. Now, whether or not they're going to put out good stuff, I don't know. But with all the money in the world, you can compete with anybody. And if anyone has all the money in the world, it's outside the Chinese market. It's Amazon. <laughs> Telling you what, I like literally, I, I really do think that he's supposed to be a trillionaire in the next couple of years or something. That's, That's insane. Been yeah. Eat the rich. We could tax him for 10% and end world hunger. Huh. All right. Crucible is a free-to-play on Steam, and no current information is out on whether it will eventually make its way to consoles. If you're interested in seeing what else Amazon is capable of in the gaming industry, be sure to show your support by at least giving the game a shot. If not, well, you could be like us, I guess. Just not download it. Earlier this month, Pleasantly announced only shortly after we discussed Picard to death, so thank you for giving us new content, CBS announced that they'd be making a new series in the canon universe called Strange New Worlds, which would star Anson Mount, Ethan Peck, and Rebecca Rom. Romaine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Romaine, like the lettuce. Yeah. Great. I was doing so well. Uh, from Star Trek Discovery as Pike, Spock, and Number One, respectively. The series is set to cover the Starship Enterprise in its earliest days. Star Trek Discovery was put out to mixed reviews. Some hardcore fans think it fits well into the canon, but the viewership count leaves a lot to be desired. Do you think that starting another series based on the cast of one that didn't do really well is wise for CBS? Well, they're not really starting it based on Discovery's cast. This is more of a toss back to try to reboot the original series more than than continue discovery um in fact discovery is really launching off i won't spoil but it's launching off into a completely different sort of storytelling <laughs> on its own strange new worlds is really about the enterprise before kirk and for those that don't know there was a pilot for star trek called the cage and it had captain pike spock and number one who was played by Marshall barrett who is um, Gene Roddenberry's wife? She went on to to be several characters in the Nurse Chapel. She was she played um, Deanna Troy's mother. She was the voice of the computer. Um, so this cast or this crew of the Enterprise already existed. In fact, it was the very first canon crew that ever was on the Enterprise. So they're they're taking it as old school as you can go with Strange New Worlds. Um, it's so it's weird to say that it's going forward from Discovery when really it's going backward to the, the very roots of, of the original series. I think um, trying to get 
it as far away from discovery as possible uh is a good idea uh without commenting on whether or not um discovery deserves its mixed reviews it it is in in a lot of the complaints that i've had just such a departure from star trek at least the star trek i knew um, and the star trek i grew to appreciate i think getting back to that which you know while this show does seem to do that or at least it says it's going to um i do think keeping the same cast that was there um from discovery i i'm i'm not so sure it 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 certainly puts a little bit of a cloud over it in my mind um so the the positive things about discovery the things that that most people agree are the good are anson mount <laughs> and the fact that spock was there they're taking two of the things that people actually really loved about discovery and it, it's true the the reviews are mixed there's people who adore it and there's people who absolutely hate it i happen to really like discovery i was a hard sell at first um but pretty much universally people are loving captain pike they love anson mount's portrayal they love the way it's tied into the original cage episode so for them to take that kernel of of what's being enjoyed and to spin off a show is probably a smart way to go in fact they scrapped completely their idea of a section 31 show um in favor of this because of the popularity of anson mount's pike and ethan peck's spock which frankly while i love discovery i am not a huge fan of of that spock I, I i don't know the third spot casting for me is is taking it a little too far um he does a good job but it just doesn't feel like that spock to me strange new worlds is going to fit very tightly into the timeline of the original series as you've mentioned it's got pike spock and the enterprise we know more or less where they're going to end up in a general sense if nothing else so do you guys think that they'll make use of that timeline with cameos and references to the original series i think they they ought to yes whether or not they're going to i don't i don't know there's not a whole lot that we really know about the show um but i do think it's the smart thing for them to do even folks who dislike some of the newer shows their favorite parts were the cameos of old characters uh, and the uh, the imagining of, you know, what have these characters been up to? Or what were these characters doing before we knew them in, you know, whatever the story, uh, whatever the story was. So, yeah, uh, if if they are smart, they'll do it. Yeah, I think I think there's no way around it. The fact that they even used Pike and Spock in Discovery says that they are, and Sarek for that matter, uh, Amanda, they, they are on board full steam ahead with using canon characters to, in, to increase the popularity of their brand. I don't think they'll stop now. I think that now that they're getting into a territory and a time that we're a lot more familiar with, there, I would not be surprised in the slightest if names like Montgomery Scott and James T. Kirk started to show up in some of the episodes. How did Kirk come to be on the Enterprise and like in canon? Because I've seen like so many different versions of that story, and like, but all, the only one I know for sure is like the new, the new movies. Right. So the original canon prime timeline, no one really knows. There are some novels that touch on it, but those are not considered canon so the the tv show the original series didn't really touch on that they didn't talk about Kirk's coming on board in fact when on, on uh where no man has gone before which is the f second pilot kirk was already the established captain he already had established relationships with the crew so we didn't see like him step onto the bridge for the first time there's no canon story about that which is one of the reasons i think that they they might try to tackle something like how did, did kirk serve on the enterprise prior to becoming captain i don't know we'll see maybe we'll have an instant kirk who you know gets to sit in the in the helm position for a while yeah it'll be really interesting to see um i it, we all know the the new canon the new timeline but yeah what was the original one who knows it'd be really interesting to explore when we covered picard you guys mentioned how the series went back to explain pop 
plot holes or design changes throughout the series, such as with Lake Klingon redesigns. Are there any other plot holes or similar issues from the original series, bar Kirk maybe being an ensign aboard the ship and us getting to see more of how he got to be captain, um, that you think that this show might address or that you hope to see it address? So the plot holes are... The idea of having to go back in later with something um, to address plot holes that exist, um, to me, is a, it's a funny way of storytelling. Um, it's an interesting one, uh, but it's one that if you had good storytellers to begin with, it would be unnecessary. Um, but that does seem to be a J.J. Abrams special. Um, so, I don't know. I, I hope, rather than plot holes... I want Star Trek to be something hopeful again. I want Star Trek to be um, an exploration of what humanity can be like, um, which it, it seems to have lost. And it seems that that's what they're looking to recapture with this. That's my biggest hope. Obviously, Leo and I don't agree on that. I, I think that this is a, a hopeful representation. The, the new Treks, I enjoy them. And by new, I mean the cbs all access ones not necessarily the kelvin verse um but you know <laughs> a lot of that fix the plot holes thing really has to do more with explaining production at least in star trek i don't know that that's necessarily the, the case in other um other ips but the i think we've spoken about this before some of the things that they do are like in the original series, Klingons didn't have the ridges. I feel like I've said this before. And then obviously in Next Generation, they had the ridges. So then when it, along comes Enterprise, and Enterprise bridges the reason why. In, in Toss, they didn't have ridges, but then Next Generation, they do. Um, I don't... It's kind of something that that Star Trek has done over time to, to explain away production changes or design changes. And I, that really doesn't bother me a whole, whole lot. It originally was one of the reasons I didn't want to watch Discovery. I had a, whole, a hard time getting over the fact that they were doing a complete and utter redesign. What sold me on the show was whenever I saw them start to really pay homage to the original, the original series, to Next Generation, and try to tie it into the canon, which I thought that they were just completely disregarding. And they aren't. So... Um, what do I hope that they do? I hope that they continue that that devotion to the canon and and the you know memory alpha. I want to see those things continue to pop up. And and honestly, there's a lot of things that they could they could touch on. <clears throat> what would be probably my druthers is if they'd go back and and research some of the original series um, characters like Mud, um, like the I guess they can't really do the Romulan guy because that was the first time they'd seen them in a long time. But, you know, they could explain that away. They always do. I would like to see them tackle some of those original series characters in Strange New Worlds. I I think um, the idea of holding fast to, um, to the canon, I'd love to see some of that. I'd love to see reaching back into, like you said, Jace, reaching back into some of the old original series stuff and making those references i mean pike is that he he is a reference from um the original series which is fantastic um i i would very much like to see the love between the writers of a show and the show itself as opposed to like what we got with picard where cbs has said like their intention was to humble and humiliate picard like that isn't the way to to garner a fan base or to garner the love of a fan base for a show that you're creating well it depends it, it depends on what you're trying to do are you trying to create new fans or are you trying to keep the old fans i i was an old fan obviously and i loved picard we talked about what we didn't like about it but i thought it was great um, I, I'm on the subreddit for Star Trek because I'm that big of a nerd. And by and large, the Star Trek nerds really liked Picard. In fact, it gave them all the feels. They have criticisms just like I do. But 
it rang, it resonated for them. And I think that, in fact, most of them have more positive things to say about Picard than they do Discovery. Um, I think they're reticent about Strange New Worlds. I've seen less excitement for that um, because they're frightened of what's going to happen. Most of it is because of how much they've really liked Anson Mount's Pike. Universally, he's just beloved. And I think that they're nervous about the fact that they, they've stated they're going to change the storytelling device. It's not going to be long, continual arcs like Discovery used or Picard used. It's going to be more episodic in the style of Toss and TNG. Voyager, yeah. uh, you know, those the, the, the first shows. Um, there's, there's a little anxiety about that. Just because, well, does that still work? Does that still work in today's uh, storytelling? I don't know. Not many shows do that anymore. We've seen some members of the cast so far. Specifically, you guys keep coming back to Anson Mount. Uh, do you think that the cast announced so far is going to be able to hold a series on their own? Yes. Um, the gravitas that Anson brings to the small screen is palpable. He is fantastic in season two of Discovery. And, and just really, 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 truly great acting. He He's probably in my top three or four Star Trek characters. He, he's just that good at expression. He's got humor. He's got just a, a gravitas. That's the best word for him. I did say I didn't love Spock, Ethan Peck, Peck Spock, but he does a fine job. And then Rebecca Romaine, who doesn't love that that lady? She's She's been great for a lot of years. I don't know who they'll put around them. Um, we will have to wait and see. But... Um, so far, yeah, absolutely. I think they could carry a, carry a show on their own. Well, they basically carried season two, to be quite honest. So they've already done it for a season of TV. While there is no Bill Shatner among the cast, I also agree. I think I think these are three three very good actors. And Anson Mount, his portrayal, I agree. It's fantastic. The gravitas, the just everything about the character and the actor um, they come together to to form a compelling um narrative um i'm i'm oddly agree with you completely jace ethan peck as spock eh, i'm a little uh, but it could just be you know as as new actors come into play new versions of spock you get further and further away from leonard nimoy and that portrayal character um and i don't know i have a certain thing in my head of who spock is um and the more he's reimagined i don't know the the less i'm in love with it even peck seems like a fantastic actor though and rebecca romaine yeah proven um dependable reliable and fantastic um the supporting cast we'll see but i do think these three can certainly carry a show i'm not sure what it is about ethan peck that i'm not 100 percent buying because um, it's not necessarily that it's a different actor playing a character that I know. I 100% bought into Zachary Quinto's Spock. I thought that he was fantastic. He looked the role. He moved the role. He, I, I was with him. There's just something that doesn't feel like Spock, and I'm not 100% sure what it is. Um, it could be that it's from a Spock that I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'll give him that. It's a different time in Spock's life, but... I don't know it just never it never got there for me is it the beard could be but spock had a beard at the beginning of the the motion picture so i've seen spock with a beard before he also had an evil goatee <laughs> he did mirror universe spock has the evil goatee all of the mirror characters have evil goatees yeah <laughs> that's how you know that's how you know all right no official release date has been announced for Strange New Worlds yet, and even less information about the plot of the show exists. Literally all we know so far is the three characters, the ship, and the name. We'll likely talk more about the show once new information comes out, but until then, if you're looking for some more Star Trek content, and you happen to play Star Trek Online, you can check out Nova Star Task Force. So, before we get into the segment, I want to ask, how old were you guys when 
you first watched Avatar The Last Airbender, or like when it came out? I was somebody's dad, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. I was it had, five. It, oh my God. It had been out for a couple of years, so I, I, I don't remember the exact years I watched it. Um, but I was, yeah, I was in my, I may have been in my 30s. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was in my 30s as well. I didn't watch it when it came out either. I did watch it. Um, this was back in the day. I watched it when you would you would Netflix and they would send the DVDs to your house. You'll remember that. <laughs> That's when I watched it for the first time. Right. Well, everyone was that enough... a question just to make fun of us because we're old men? Perhaps. <laughs> but everyone old enough to watch and understand TV between 2005 and 2008 likely remembers the legendary storytelling animated series Avatar The Last Airbender. It won a Peabody and an Emmy and was voted the Kids' Choice Best Animated Series in a general year, and Avatar continues to be one of the best animated narratives to be released on television. Some time ago, Netflix announced that the original creators of the animated hit were working with their studios to create a new live-action show that would air on the streaming platform, and we all immediately kind of took a moment to sip some tea and side-eye each other because we're going to get this out of the way. The last Airbender movie was terrible. And that's the only live-action version of this world that we've seen so far. So how can they overcome that mess? They need to keep uh, M. Night Shyamalan far, far away <laughs> from it. <laughs> um, it's funny. Uh, my, my youngest daughter is eight and uh, she's been uh, binging the Avatar The Last Airbender, and she absolutely loves it. Um, she can't help, um, you know, screaming at the TV and stuff when she's watching it. it. Like, she's really into it. And I was, too. And I was a grown man, <laughs> as we talked about earlier, when I saw it for the first time. Um, and both my kids, actually, when, when we got home today, they, they pulled up Netflix, and they saw the Avatar movie as it was on the popular list on Netflix and they both looked at each other and they're like, how is that popular? <laughs> I was like, it's probably because the cartoon's been released and you know, people are just checking it out. They like the cartoon. So maybe they didn't hear about the movie, but like even my, my kids are like, ugh, how do people watch this with the live action one? So, uh, they're, I don't know what to avoid, you know, M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> I think, so I'm actually in the middle of a rewatch myself. When I saw it on the on the Netflix, you should watch this. I sure did listen and started started watching it. It's my new, it's my new go to sleep show. I, I watch it every evening when I'm laying in my bed. So what it has to do is capture the heart of the show. I mean, the, the story is great. The narrative is good, but sometimes you have to adjust narrative in different mediums. And I get that. As long as they keep the the heart of the show there the the joy of ang the relationships between ang and, and Sokka, and what's the girl's name help me i was just watching this show and i can't recall oh no me neither katara, katara thank, thank you, you. word from on good high. lord of mercy so those relationships are vital they're what make the show great though they there's long-running gags there is it feels like those kids actually got to know each other and traveled the world together it felt real um the, that's where the movie missed there was no joy ang was like a sourpuss like who even cared about him they really need to capture the essence of those relationships and that happiness to to make it good totally agreed um i i think in some ways the movie tried to get too heavy uh in places where it didn't necessarily fit, but then didn't do heavy well. It was just, it was a, it was bad. Um, I I totally agree. Keep it fun in the lighthearted places that it needs to be. Keep, you know, obviously focus on the relationships between those three particularly. Um, that's absolutely what made the show. And then, of course, um, oh, what's the earthbender chick that joins them? Tough. 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 Um, and... And her relationship with them, like that—that that is absolutely what made the show, for sure. 
Um, as I was as I was watching, one thing that really stood out to me. So Aang is such a fun character. He's such a great character, and he started out just so full of life, very all over the place. But there are several times in the show, and I just watched an episode where he's down and he's upset and feels a little broken and sad. And it is in such contrast to who he is most of the time that it makes you feel sad. And and those highs and lows in that kid are one of the things that I think make the show so great. You get to really see a kid feel super happy and and feel terrible and then bounce back and, and be resilient. And um, there was, in the live action, Aang was just sort of one note. He was just one feeling the whole time. There was no motion, no change. And really, the I don't know how a cartoon character can make you feel so much more than a real person on a screen, but it can. Well, I, I do think to some degree it's easier to animate emotion, um, especially with the way um, The Last Airbender did it, inspired by um, anime as it was, with the giant eyes at times or the flailing arms and stuff that I typically dislike about most anime because it, it kind of takes me out of the story when that stuff happens the last airbender didn't do it to the point where you know i i i had to i had to turn my mind off um it's it's easier to emote with animation in a lot of ways a real actor has to figure out a way to convey it without being able to make their eyes three times their normal size so that's and, another thing we need for the show to be good is good <laughs> actors. Yeah, we do need good actors, especially ones that can make their eyes three times their normal size. That would be fantastic. They can do that with CGI now. Yeah, they can. As proven by Alita Battle Angel. Yes. So creepy. Uh, as part of the upcoming work on the series, Netflix has released all three seasons of The Last Airbender's original animation, and hopefully is making those who are working on the live-action series uh, watch them on loop constantly. So, this is the first time the series has been on any streaming... Well, okay. First time it's been on any official streaming platform in years. Um, but with a resurgence in popularity as a result, do you think people will be able to get excited about the upcoming live action, despite how cherished the original content fans? Or do you think that there's a chance this might backfire and people are going to compare them all the more harshly? Shyamalan messed us up. Like, I feel like we're all a little bit traumatized by that. Like, the first thing you think of, oh, they're going to make a live action Avatar The Last Airbender and groan, no. They tried that and it went really, really bad. So they've got a mountain to climb going into this. They need to undo that trauma that was done to us with that abomination. How you can make people throwing around fire, water, tornadoes, and giant boulders boring is beyond me. But they managed to do it. I, I really need them to to be, just be faithful to the original content. Um I want to be excited. I want to feel like I'm looking forward to it. I want to think Netflix is doing a great job, but I have a real fear and I can't help it. I I, I feel that that burn as well. In fact, I think between the two of us, Chase, I'm the one more likely to shy away from something if I'm burned by another iteration of it. Um, but I do think it, with how popular the cartoon is i do think people are looking for someone to quote do it right even in spite of the Shyamalan debacle um i think if someone can prove that they have a love for the material that they're going to listen the original writers um which rumor has it Shyamalan didn't um someone who's uh going to to put love into conveying that same message uh, and all of the different themes and all of the awesomeness that was in the animated series into something live. I think people want it. The reason I think Avatar Last Airbender movie was such a disappointment is because so many people were excited about it. So many people were really looking forward to it and were that much more disappointed because it wasn't what they were looking forward to. Um, so I think the popularity of the cartoon will help I think Netflix is brilliant for putting 
the cartoon on their network so that now um, folks can stream it legally, um, which is only going to help. It was a good good idea. It was a good move. All right. Do you guys have any opinions on casting for this live action run? I feel like this is a loaded question. <laughs> are we are we making reference to the fact that there was a lot of um, let's call it criticism for the whitewashing of the of the um, Shyamalan version? Is that what we're trying to get to here? I mean, hey, let's just be honest. Cast it like they were meant to be cast. Don't don't change the the sort of. It's hard to say nationality because it's a completely different world and planet, but there it's very clear um, the influence of of each of the different places on what's the last airbender planet called? Do y'all know? I do not. Is it Earth? It's just a planet with different continents ruled by elements. So that planet, I just want it to be true to it just like everything else we've been saying. I just want it to be true to the original. Um and have the sense that they're paying homage to it and not trying to make it something that it isn't. So, um, yeah, I think we've actually talked about this particular thing. Um, my opinion is it's a fictional world and a fictional area that has fictional continents and fictional nations and fictional races of people. Um, Yes, everything is influenced by something else. Um, but the idea of not getting the race right of characters whose races are um, make-believe, I think, um, I don't know. I think it's a little bit um, probably, I don't know. It, it It's a little bit too um, busybody-ish in my mind. It's a little bit too too particular it's it's focusing on the wrong things that were wrong with the uh with the movie it's funny i never thought i'd hear you say that getting too particular about a program is something that you're not for <laughs> because you might be one of the most particular people that i've ever talked to about entertainment mediums um it's it's very clear so in case people don't know, I think we did talk about this, but it might have been during not a show. I think it might have been during our initial um, mm. auditions. So I don't think actually it made it to live. But the the criticism around Avatar the Last Airbender live action movie was that it, it took what was obviously a, a diverse planet of, of peoples and just kind of whitewashed it. And there was a lot of what was clearly Asian inspired, an Asian inspired world um, and twisted it on its head and made it, you know people like me some some white folk I, I don't necessarily think that you have to cast everything exactly as it was imagined in the first i don't want to i don't want to go on record as saying that there are properties that i think really translate well to a diverse casting let me put it that way in fact i'm in favor of diverse castings the the problem is whenever you take something that was like i don't know how you can do avatar the last airbender and put um you know just a bunch of white people in asian inspired clothes and not con consider it some sort of appropriation like it just it doesn't look right now if you're going to reimagine the whole universe and make it you know make the the air tribe more uh african themed perhaps and making the the water tribe more native american themed perhaps like i get it if you want to reimagine the world but the problem is when you erase the the canon you erase the lore in favor of i guess what would what would be considered popular casting yeah i i i i think it's a i don't know it, it it's a to me kind of an extreme perspective on now granted i i heard that criticism quite a bit too um and it just seemed um i don't know such such a such a fundamentally tiny thing in light of all of the things the movie did wrong granted i i get representation is important and i get trying to honor that is important um it does seem to be though um it, it if if it was a setting on earth i could get it I, I could appreciate it yeah you're you're trying to represent 
Japan, for instance, um, and you're using a bunch of people from Germany to do it. Yeah, that, that probably isn't the right way to go. Um, but here you have completely made up races, nationalities, locations, continents, country, everything is made up, of course, inspired by, um, but I don't know, to, to have, to say you have to have someone of this ethnicity play this make-believe ethnicity, um, I don't know, I'm more in favor of, why don't you just get good actors, um, make that your priority, make sure it's the best people for the role, um, and, and see how that works. So you would potentially have to change the entire universe around the casting then. Um, because it is such an Asian-inspired show, down to the soundtrack. I mean, the architecture of the drawings, the, the way they draw fish, for God's sakes. Everything about um, the, the cartoon is really... And, and it's not pure anime, obviously, but it is definitely inspired by Asian culture. So if you took that show and cast it with a complete i mean even if they're not white if they're not asian i believe it would look strange to put them in an asian setting which i mean it is an asian setting it very clearly is whether like literally you'd have to change the architecture and the art style and the art direction of the entire universe around a casting that doesn't fit intention and i think there was a very clear intention in in the original show What's some of your favorite, if not like specific episodes, different arcs? I love the, uh, gosh, I, I'm terrible with their names. So when Sokka fell in love with the princess, the waterbender princess, and you then, yes, that whole arc from them meeting all the way to the end of the season was just <laughs> so good. My girlfriend turned into the moon. Yes. Yeah, oh my god <laughs> i i really liked uh we mentioned zuko earlier um but i really liked his transition from the, the beginning of the series through the end like his his arc was um probably one of the better ones i've seen um especially uh given the amount of time they had to do it uh, and you saw him, like, it wasn't a pure, easy arc. You saw him progress and regress, progress, regress. Like, it was very, very cool. Um, and I think um, that's what made it so compelling, because it wasn't easy for him. And, and it was so well done. Very well written. Very well animated and very well voice acted. Just a trifecta of, of great um, yep. character arc. When you make a good decision for once, and it's so unlike you that you have to go into a coma to reconcile that with your inner consciousness. <laughs> Syl is uh, insisting that we stay in his least redemption arc ever written, and I have no complaints. No, I mean, it, it's up there. Yeah, it's up there, for sure. I don't know, I think the, one, the episodes that get cited a lot um, are like the Ember Island Players one, which was the one where they went to go see the play that was about them. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I was um, in our Discord. Somebody was talking about uh, The Last Airbender, and they they put up a, a picture of Aang when he was, like, fully avatared out, like the last episode or the next last episode, whenever he fought um, the Fire Lord uh, and... and uh, beat his buttocks um that like watching that whole scene was like i got goosebumps watching it and and i'm not one who's normally so emotionally invested in a show especially a cartoon that that's gonna do that to me but i think because i had followed that journey for so long and you had seen ang struggle with so many things and like to finally get to that point um man that was um Granted, I know it's 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 a cheap cop out to talk about the climax of the whole series being an epic moment for me, but man, that was epic. That was it was awesome. I think part of the reason that I loved Avatar so much is that even after all of that, they like the pacifistic nomadic way of life, and he was able uh, that Aang was able to hold true to that because through the whole series, you know, they're talking about like 
that there's there's a war going on actively. There are people that are dying, even if they aren't always shown to do that on screen. And then to get to the very end and to face the big bad and to be able to say, no, I'm going to take away your power to hurt people, but I'm not going to hurt you. Well, he still beat. <laughs> well, oh, they I still beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to kill you. you I know, mean, I'm a... not going to. Yeah, where he thought he was going to die. Aang was like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to take away your power. That was, yes, that was that was pretty awesome and very unexpected. Um, I liked that about the ending. Well, there's no release information presented by Netflix for the new live action series yet, uh, but the animation is currently available if you have a Netflix subscription. And the nostalgia is pretty strong. Running with the theme of our last segment, our tea time question for today is all about Avatar. If you were in the Avatar universe, what kind of bender, if any, would you be and why? Bonus question, would you have any unique skills? Mm, mm, mm. This is, I actually thought a lot about this and, and I was thinking, well, what would be my temperament? What would be my personality? Like, how might that influence this? And honestly, it's one of those things that has changed. Like when I was 15, I would have, I think I would have fit a different, um, element than, than now I'm a, I'm a much different person. Um, so if it's, well, it is, if it's right now. Um, probably Earth, um, only because it. I think partly because I'm so heavy now. <laughs> um, but it it does seem to. Uh, I don't know. It seems to embody resilience, determination, the the slow. Um, uh, I don't know more. Uh, more more, <laughs> crusty outer shell, that is my life. <laughs> In existence. Uh, I don't want to be cliche, but I feel like I would probably be an airbender. Just because they're so earthy, crunchy, and peace-loving hippie. And, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of lean that way. I'm a, I'm a, you know, imagine a, a, a peaceful world type of guy. And, um, the, the preciousness of life and avoidance of violence whenever possible. All of those things kind of resonate with me. So I think I would probably be an airbender. How strange. We chose the opposite elements. Oh, we did. <laughs> I didn't even realize. What would you be, T? Um, honestly, I think that I would... I've gone back and forth on all of this too. Like I've taken like all of the different quizzes where it's like, what element would you be, etc. And then I've argued with myself about it. Um, I think that I would wind up being a waterbender, mostly because I think that it's the, it's the element that makes the most sense for me. I don't know so much about temperament wise, but it's got the fluid adaptability. Um, it's a relatively calm element on its own until you aggravate it and then it can be quite dangerous. Um, and it has the ability to heal. And I think that that's part of the reason why I like it. Dude, to learn that waterbenders could like manipulate your blood in your own body, like that was that was metal, man. Like <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that's fantastic. Yeah, I uh, I don't think I would be a bloodbender. No, that's uh, whew, man, that's some creepy stuff. Yeah, with my luck, I'd try to bloodbend somebody and wind up using it on myself and be like, oh wow, all right. But you can also heal. And that's what you were focusing on and talking yeah, about. Yeah, was being able to heal people. All right. If you would like to submit a tea time question for the podcast, head on over to SokinGaming.com slash SokinMedia and find the submission bar on the right-hand side of the page. Thank you, everyone, for reliving our nostalgia with us this week. And we have one more episode to go this season before a break. For more Sokin Media, you can visit us at SokinGaming.com slash SokinMedia. Follow our Twitter at SokinGaming. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Soken Gaming Community, and look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T. I've been Jace. <laughs> <laughs>
I've been Leo. And we'll see you next week. Stay classy, Silken. Thank you for listening to the Silken Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Silken Gaming, as well as our website, www.silkengaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace?